Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. So there's a lot smaller carbon footprint if you eat something that came from 50 miles away versus something that came from 3,000 miles away. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Happy St. Patty's Day. A great time to go green as we continue our occasional series, Conscious Cuisine. Today, how to choose sustainable seafood. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events, and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Seafood is a big business in Florida with an annual economic impact of more than $400 million. That's according to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. So how do we make sure all this valuable seafood is sustainable? What are the best and worst fish to choose? The short answer is, it's complicated. Here to offer guidance is Angela Collins, Florida Sea Grant agent with the University of Florida IFAS Extension. I'm really happy to have you talking about sustainable seafood today. But first, I think we need to define what that means. So what is sustainable seafood? So sustainable seafood is generally seafood that is harvested in a way that will promote the conservation and continued sustainable production of that species. Okay, so they're managed in a way that can be regulated and they're harvested in a way that is not damaging to the environment or to that species ability to continue to reproduce into the future and continue to provide us with a good protein source. So what are the biggest factors that determine whether something is sustainable or unsustainable? Okay, there's a lot of things that go into it. But one of the things to keep in mind is it's going to determine a lot on the species in question. Okay, so the life history of the organism that you're eating is going to determine how sustainable the production of that fishery might be. The other thing that's going to go into sustainability is how the organism is harvested and how the harvest is regulated. So there's the biology of the organism, the um, way that the organism is removed, and then also how that removal is managed by the fishery management system in the place that you're taking the animal. Oh my gosh, this is stressful already. <laughs> for So for a consumer- I'm sure it's very stressful for the fish, too. But for a consumer, can you give me some concrete examples? Maybe talk me through one species and then the factors that you were just mentioning. 
Sure. Well, let me just start out by saying that in the United States, our seafood is very highly regulated and well-managed. And the fact that because the U.S. is such a global leader in sustainable seafood production means that our fisheries are paid really close attention to by the regulators, right? So we know that our fishermen are harvesting in ways that promote sustainability of those populations. So that being said, let's just talk about a particular fish. You could just pick a general offshore grouper, okay? So these guys are harvested um, typically on hook and line. They're bottom reef-associated species, and they come into the docks. After they're harvested, they are managed by minimum size, so people can't take them if they're below a certain size. And they come into the docks, and we know exactly how many are landed per year, and the fisheries managers watch those numbers to help determine when to lower the quota or raise the quota, maybe close the season. Grouper is such a a fish that's associated with Florida. I'm just thinking if someone goes into a grocery store and they want to make sure they're making a sustainable choice, what should they be looking for? Is there something on the package? How do they know that they are making the, the most sustainable choice? There are a couple ways to do that. You can look for labels. Number one, you can look for the country of origin label. All seafood that's sold in grocery stores is required to have a country of origin label on it. So if it is domestically caught country of origin, the United States, you can be pretty comforted with that seafood choice. There are also other eco labels that are placed on some seafood packaging, and there's a variety of different ways to interpret them, but you can look for things like the Marine Stewardship Council label, the Global Aquaculture Alliance label the Aquaculture Stewardship Council label. Some of those labels can indicate greater levels of sustainability, but not always. Um, It does cost sometimes to get those certifications. So some of your local seafood might not have that label, but it may be completely sustainable and even more sustainable than some of the ones that have the label, right? So I think country of origin label is important, but then also asking whether or not that species was locally caught. Is it coming from the Gulf of Mexico, if you're on the west coast of Florida, is it coming from the, you know, southeast Atlantic, if you're on the east coast of Florida. So understanding where that fish came from is important. Then there are also different resources online, like NOAA Fish Watch. You can go to NOAA, N-O-A-A, Fish Watch, and you can search by species, and it can give you information on the current status and sustainability of that particular organism. There's also something called the um, Monterey Bay Seafood Watch, and they even have an app you can put on your phone, and it'll give you like what seafood choices to avoid, as well as what seafood choices might be the best for that time. Because the other thing for consumers to remember is that through the years, these things might shift. A species that was sustainable a couple years ago might not be now, and a species that might have been listed as unsustainable a few years back might have recovered to a level um, that they are completely sustainable to eat currently. So keeping a good handle on what's going on just through those online resources is a good way to do it. And then there's also a website I shouldn't forget to mention called the Seafood Nutrition Partnership. And that gives you a lot of information on sustainability as well as um, nutritional value of the different things that you might eat from the sea. 
Oh, those are all great resources. Now, this might be a dumb question, but why is local always better? Why is fish caught in the U.S. better than fish imported from another continent? That isn't a dumb question at all. And there's a lot of things that go into that. And so number one, when you're eating local, you're supporting your local economy directly, right? The people that harvested that animal or that vegetable or whatever local product you're consuming you're supporting the people that grew it right there in your own community. It also has to travel less distance to get to your plate, right? So there's a lot smaller carbon footprint if you eat something that came from 50 miles away versus something that came from 3,000 miles away. You know, it's typically going to be fresher also because it didn't have to come here on an airplane or on a ship. And then again, the economy support is just going back to supporting those local producers, supporting your local working waterfronts is a great stimulus to the economy. Seafood production in the U.S. is a big deal. It's billions of dollars every year. In Florida, seafood production, we take it pretty seriously here in our state, right? We're 11th in the nation in seafood production. So that's about somewhere between 80 and 100 million pounds annually of seafood are harvested. And that's like a dockside value of hundreds of millions of dollars, but the overall economic impact can be in the billions for seafood in Florida. Oh my gosh. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. We talked about the packaging, but I feel like there are so many deceptive uh, terms that can go on these packages and stickers. It's kind of like um, you'll see a sticker for gluten-free apples. Okay, well, all apples are gluten-free or organic something or other. Or, you know, these chickens got to go to the amusement park and ride roller coasters and were fed only the best worms or whatever it may be. And I feel like that's kind of the territory we're in here with seafood because you hear terms like harvested by line versus net caught fish. Does that even matter? Not necessarily. So, you know, really the gear that's used to catch the fish depends on the fish that you're trying to catch. Some fish don't take hooks and those are the ones that you're going to have to typically land in the net, right? The fish that take hooks are going to be caught on hook and line. And then the type of line can really vary depending on where you're fishing too. If you're fishing for an open water, pelagic, fast, free swimming species, you're going to have a different gear set up than you would if you're fishing for fish in a reef type environment. So really the important thing to think about when you're thinking about gear is that there's minimal impact to the environment through the use of that gear. And also that there's minimal bycatch, you know, in the U.S., again, we do a really good job at focusing on minimizing bycatch, protecting habitat. Um, those are like fundamental things that drive fisheries management. What is bycatch? So bycatch is something that you're actually not targeting to harvest and you will probably throw back into the sea. Some bycatch that is caught is kept and sold, but a lot of bycatch would be typically just thrown back, right? And so that isn't always a good thing if you have a lot of that, because those fish don't necessarily survive being thrown back, that whole catch and release event. It depends on the, again, the fishery practice and the gear type being used and also the species that's the bycatch, right? So it might be another fish species that you don't want 
taking up weight on your boat because you want another more valuable species on your boat, or it might be um, something that you can't keep, like a sea turtle. Um, and so these are the things that come into consumers' minds when they think about bycatch. It's the non-target species that might be caught in the net or on the hook that could be damaged through that catch and release event. Oh my gosh. So this is where the resources that you recommended would be helpful because there's no way I could just walk into the freezer section to buy fish sticks or whatever and know all of this. Right. And that is something like the international community bands together also to try to make sure that fishery practices not, you know, here domestically, we federally manage our domestically caught fish, but internationally, you know, there are different groups that try to monitor and regulate practices in the sea to make sure that consumers are not taking things in that way that would make us all feel really bad. So, but that is one of the things to consider when you're consuming fish that were not caught in the U.S. is that in some, in some countries, they have excellent fishery management systems and there's nothing to worry about. But in other areas, there might be illegal or unreported fishing going on that might work its way into the markets. So those are things to think about when you're thinking about global fisheries. Now let's talk about farmed fish. Is uh, wild-caught salmon preferable to farmed salmon, for example? And again, this is all going to depend on the operation and the location of the aquaculture farm in practice. Typically, farmed salmon is equivalent to wild-caught. They are sometimes bigger just because they're fed. You know, think about you're being farmed, so you are fed regularly. You might get a little higher calorie diet. So sometimes the farm salmon has that depending on who you are, it might be a benefit or it might be a detriment. So typically U.S. aquacultured fish is going to be a fine, sustainable choice. People always think about salmon, but there are other farm fishes that are um, very valuable to our economy and are produced in a sustainable way. Um, and not just farmed fish, we also have farmed shellfish. So aquacultured clams and oysters are an incredibly sustainable seafood choice. Clams and oysters don't require any feed. They grow out in our natural systems. They clean the water and then they are an excellent um, seafood source for the public as well. So I think farm shellfish is one of my favorite topics to talk about as well. Oh, good. Okay. And I do want to get into your top picks if we just need a little cheat sheet, you know, maybe three to uh, steer clear from and three that are probably your best bets. You brought up the shellfish. So I want to ask you about things like um, Florida lobsters and scallops. We have these seasons, lobster season, scallop season. Do these help or hurt the overall sustainability of these creatures? Well, no, generally seasons are an important thing. Normally they are designed to protect reproduction, right? So a lot of times when an organism is closed, it's because that is the time that the adults are spawning, making more babies. Um, and so by not allowing harvest during those closed seasons, you are protecting a portion of the population and allowing them to regenerate basically for the next um, harvest. <laughs> I think seasons are one of the really good management tools that are in place. Is there anything else people should keep in mind besides the laws that are on the books? But is there anything else that people should consider when they want to catch their own seafood? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Knowing the regulations is key. Like you said, um, understanding the species that you're catching, being able to identify what you have on your line is important. But then once you have them, 
if you're going to not keep them, using best practices when you handle those fish, right? So minimizing exposure to the air, trying to get that hook out as quickly as possible, using a circle hook so that it um, encourages that the fish gets hooked in the mouth instead of swallowing that hook. You know, a lot of those sustainable fishery practices um, help that fish survive to another day so that, you know, it can be caught again and potentially harvested and eaten when it's bigger. Now, what can we do to encourage our local grocery stores or restaurants to carry more sustainable fish so that we don't have to do all of this mental, (laughs) exhausting work when we go to pick out our seafood? I think just consumer advocacy for these things, right? Just asking for it, making sure that they know that you're interested in it being sustainable. And a lot of times in restaurants, you know, the servers don't know for sure where that fish came from. But um, if you, if you talk to a manager, if you, if, if you can talk to the server and just, you know, say, where did this come from? Is this sustainable? It's important to me at the seafood counters and in your local grocery stores, just asking the people behind the counter if they have more information or if you can request you could look a species up that you want to see in your grocery store, and then you could request that fish at your seafood counter and, you know, power in numbers, right? The more people that do that, I think it the consumer demand drives. Okay, so let's get into some of your top picks. What should okay. we be demanding? How about a handful of uh, the most sustainable seafood that we could be choosing here in Florida? Well, I'm not sure if I can I can do that so much, but I can say that choose local. That always, I mean, if you can buy local, that's great. And then obviously buying U.S. seafood is another good, easy choice to make. Um, if you wanted top sustainable species, you know, that can depend on where you are in the state also um, and can also depend on the time of year that you're in. So it's kind of a loaded question. But as I mentioned before, aquacultured shellfish, so hard clams, aquacultured oysters, those are good choices. If you see them in the market, you could, you definitely should buy those. I always like to shout the benefits of mullet um, because they are just a quintessential Florida fish. A lot of people think of them as these trash fish or even worse, they don't know what they are and they think of the haircut, but mullet are incredibly sustainable. They're low on the food chain. So when you're thinking about um, sustainable options, that's another thing I wanted to say is that think about the guys that eat um, little things, right? Plankton, those are typically going to be your more sustainable choices versus your big predators. The big predators are typically going to be some of your least sustainable choices, like the big like sharks, for example, or swordfish or marlin. Um, Those are typically not the most sustainable options. The smaller, lower on the food chain species are often going to be more sustainable. That being said, one of the larger fish eating species out there that is pretty sustainable is mahi. This is a really fast growing fish. It reaches um, reproductive maturity before it's a year old, they grow really big, really fast, and they ha- make a lot of babies pretty quick. So mahi, mahi is an option that is locally caught and is also sustainable options as well. Oh, this is very helpful. You mentioned the so-called trash fish, like mullet. And I think a lot of people stay away from that because they don't know how to prepare it. Do you mm-hmm. have any recommendations? I know you're not a chef, but what are your thoughts? 
Well, you know, a lot of the the trash fish that have that um, have that reputation because they might be a little oilier than, you know, a little more fishy flavored than some of the more, you know, less robust species. <laughs> um, so smoking those species is always a good option or blackening. Really anything is good fried as America can attest. But I mean, I like fish. So if you like fish, you know, give, give it a try before you knock it for sure. But yeah, smoking them, blackening them, that's one good way to get around some of that fishy flavor sometimes. Great tip. You're right. Anything is good deep fried. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, why are you so passionate about this? Because we're here in Florida, we should all care about our sustainability and our environment. But you personally, why do you care so much about sustainability here in Florida? Oh my gosh. Well, our fishery resources are one of our foundations, right? Um, not just for economy, but also for just sort of the the reason that Florida was settled in the first place. People came here to um, utilize these abundant fishery resources that are here. And um, seafood is incredibly healthy. It's an excellent protein source, you know, and as we continue to grow the human population, making sure that we sustainably manage our wild stocks is is critical so that these species are here for us to harvest and continue to enjoy well into the future. Um, and then also, you know, sustainable aquaculture is definitely an important part of our seafood production. It produces a lot of the seafood that we eat here in this country and a ton of the seafood that we eat around the world. Um, and making sure that that industry is able to grow in a sustainable way is also a really important addition to our wild production of seafood. And then, you know, finally, these supporting these working waterfronts that exist in Florida, where our fisheries, basically the working waterfronts are the areas where the fishing boats are coming in. And this is a huge part of our heritage, making sure that, you know, these still exist and those communities can still exist to continue to provide us with this bounty from the sea is really important. And the only way to make sure that happens is to make sure that seafood sustainability continues to be one of our priorities. Well, Angela, you've given us a lot to think about. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. That's fun to talk about fish. That was Angela Collins, Florida Sea Grant agent with the University of Florida IFAS Extension. If you're looking for a good seafood recipe, you'll find plenty on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Hannah Abdel-Majid. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.